Taplin family. Back after a busy week. Glad to be sitting in my normal recording chair after being on the road this time last week. And where was I, you may ask? Well, let me tell you, I was attending the Student Diversity Leadership Conference, affectionately known as SDLC, which is complemented by the People of Color Conference. And both of these events are signature events held by the National Association of Independent Schools, NAIS. I like to think of them effectively as the homecoming for people of color in independent schools. It is, they are events that allow for a community gathering, both for professional growth, for uh, restoration and recharge. One of the popular notions of the People of Color Conference is the idea of getting your cup refilled or coming to the well. So lots of that industry in imagery, excuse me. And then also having time for fellowship because what is homecoming without time for joy and fellowship? And so just to give some more context, so you understand what this is and why it's important. We'll get into the, the student connection and why we take notes on it. The People of Color Conference itself started in 1986 in Reston, Virginia, um, and allowed for a space for teachers and administrators of color, independent schools to really have an opportunity to come together and talk about the ways in which they were doing you know, what is now considered diversity, equity, inclusion work in their schools, really pushing forward the agendas um, and helping schools to see that their missions needed to change. Many schools um, of the independent variety have missions that did not include or have space for students of color, both in the community and in the curriculum. And so in 86, the National Association of Independent Schools and their wisdom and, and given the push of highly respected educators formed this space and it has existed ever since. This was the 30th year of the Student Diversity Leadership Conference. And both spaces have been great opportunities for me to grow as an educator and professional. I will never forget attending my first POCC in the winter of 1999 as a first year teacher and just being able to make connections to others who are entering this space new and fresh while also connecting with others who had been doing it for years, some who had literally taught me, and being able to soak up the wisdom and the knowledge so that I could continue to grow in the profession while also developing a network of folks who would become my peers um, and really help me feel like even though I may have been one of the only faces of color in my school at the time, I still had a larger network that I could lean on 
and talk to and communicate with so that I knew and learned how to navigate my institution. What is great as I sit here and think about that growth is that many of those peers have now become heads of school. And so again, you see the utility of the People of Color Conference because it has always been a place that encouraged growth, spoke affirmation over people to keep going, to keep doing the work in their school spaces. And so what used to be a celebration of heads of school of color that in the first years that I was going to POCC only had a handful of people on the stage. At this year's celebration of heads of school of color, you had 125 people on the stage. So hopefully these anecdotes help you see the importance of this space in the independent school landscape. Now, let me switch to the Student Diversity Leadership Conference. So after many years of going to POCC as a teacher, even after leaving independent schools and then coming back, I decided that for me, especially as a middle school administrator, what would be most fruitful for me um, and really would help me continue to feel enriched and grow was to become a facilitator for the Student Diversity Leadership Conference under the direction of Dr. Rodney Glasgow, who I'm going to endeavor to have with us next week. And so in 2019, I participated as a facilitator for the first time. And suffice to say, I have not looked back. It is a wonderful opportunity for me to get to use and keep sharp my teaching skills, even though I'm not necessarily teaching, but facilitating. Uh, it is a great opportunity to engage with high school students and stay current in how they're thinking, to use where I see they are in their growth and then move that backwards you know, to the middle schoolers that I'm working with. And then it's also a great opportunity to have community with a wide range of practitioners. So in the SDLC faculty, I can be working with people who are in independent schools, outside of independent schools, in the public school and charter school space. You have administrators, you have people who are not in schools at all, but have been uh, to the conference through the years and want to continue to participate in that community. So it's a great mix of people that helps me extend uh, my lens, keep it sharp, keep it from getting old and dull. And I'm always, as an educator, invigorated by the energy of the students. And so now having laid that foundation, the rest of today's episode will be dedicated to why it's important, really no matter what school space you're in, but particularly in the independent school space, why a conference like this is important. I certainly encourage 
all families who ask me uh, to have their children attend if they can. It can be very difficult for those who participate in winter sports to attend and get away, but otherwise I, I usually recommend all students to attend if they can. And we're going to get into why after this quick break. Okay, so laid the groundwork for POCC and SDLC. Let's remember what they stand for, People of Color Conference, complemented by the SDLC, Student Diversity Leadership Conference. They are held over three days total. The fun part of being a faculty member, I get an extra two and change days worth of prep, which makes for a whole week of some long days. But again, interacting with the students makes it all worthwhile by the time that I get to the closing session on Saturday afternoon. So some things that I want the audience and friends to understand about a conference like SDLC and why it is so impactful for students, why if you are in an independent school that feels like they are doing a half decent job with diversity, equity, and inclusion, you should push for your student to go. I picked out three, I always like to do three. The first is it provides amazing opportunities for both windows and mirrors. And you hear that term or that metaphor brought up a lot these days when it comes to schools and you think about representation. The Student Diversity Leadership Conference draws this year 2,000 plus students from across the country and uh, abroad. So that is all the states, you know, plus Hawaii and even some international schools, some online schools, I even saw representation from this year. So you have an opportunity, unlike when a student is on campus or sometimes even in their own local community, to have mirrors, meaning people who have the same background, who have the same look, who have the same interests as you, that you may not ever have in your school community. And we know what kind of affirmation that provides. So for example, uh, in one of the closing breakouts that I had the great pleasure of facilitating, I was at the end of the conference, we reconnect the students with their chaperones and other faculty members of their school so that they get an opportunity to share out, begin to share out what they've done at the conference. And so I was assigned to schools from Florida. And so there was one young person in the room who had this very uh, unique background in that they, you know, were Jamaican immigrant, uh, but also had, you know, Chinese heritage because one of the uh, parents was, was Chinese. And so the student talked about how in the school community, never had someone that, you know, shared that and how othering that made them feel but then coming to SDLC and being in some of the spaces, that was no longer the case. And there was a great joy in feeling that community of meeting and connecting with people that look like them. So those are the mirrors. The windows are 
with 2,000 plus students, you get to see all kinds of people. So it doesn't matter if your school is lacking in, you know, ethnic, racial, religious, social diversity, you will see all of it at SDLC because we have all kinds of students from all walks of life coming, identifying in all kinds of different ways. And the students are broken into what we call family groups of about 70 to 80. We're there together for a lot of time. We break those down even further for times in home groups of 10 to 12 that they will you know, participate and connect with and get to know. And then there will be large group sessions where there's everybody. Uh, there are affinity spaces of all kinds, growing in number even, that the students get to share. So the students are able to have a sense of what exists and different types of people to connect with that they may not have the opportunity to in their local uh, community. So those are the windows and mirrors. Coming off of that, not only do they get to see it, something different, but they, in seeing things that look like them and not, they also get a further opportunity to examine their own identity and how they are feeling about themselves, how they want to walk through the world. As a faculty, we try to make sure that we speak, you know, affirmation over not only what they may be feeling, but where they could be going. Our faculty are often great models of how to walk through life with your chest out, how to show up and be confident in how you show up. So the conference is great for offering a safe space for not only identity exploration, but to receive affirmation. So for me, one of the great examples of this is that in our LGBTQ plus affinity group space, the students get to have a ball, you know, and they get to engage in all that the, the ball practice and tradition comes to stand for. And I know many of them, when they arrive, have never had the opportunity to do so freely and certainly in such great numbers. In our Black Affinity Group, which I had the opportunity to participate in, I know that even in the most melanated communities, they never had the opportunity to walk into a room and see this year almost 800 other students with which to be in community with. So it's a wonderful experience in that way to see the range and expanse of the diaspora. And the same is true in all of our affinity groups. And again, what I have enjoyed now in five years of being on the faculty is that the number of spaces continues to grow. So again, a model for what schools could be doing when there is the critical mass and when there is the interest and the ask is made for affinity space, we have granted that and we have nourished that and we have uh, cultivated that 
in SDLC. And, and I hope that when students go back to their school, having had that opportunity, they continue on in trying to carve out that space. We certainly encourage them to do so. And that brings me to my last point that I want to get into today, which is SDLC by the nature of you know, our curriculum, which it, again, starts with some of that identity exploration and then ultimately moves into how will you return to school with all that you have learned here, there is the opportunity to practice what that looks like. Practice being that change agent. Practice going through the process of carving out an affinity space. Practice trying to challenge policies that are harmful um, to those in the community. So there's an opportunity to develop the action plan and the language and also to practice what we call the institutionally fierce conversations that will come in doing that work. So I love SDLC for many reasons, but being able to facilitate and help students work through having conversations that aren't just in an echo chamber where everybody agrees, but they will encounter some conflict and have to work through it with students and certainly with adults is one of the things I take great pride in. We have norms that help set the stage for that, such as speaking from the eye perspective, listening in process, listening and processing, excuse me, the willingness to take risks. And the students, as they go through the week, become much, much more capable of not only understanding those norms, but acting them out in practice so that when they return to school, they have a sense of how to gather others for any action they might take, contact, identify, and network with adults who may help them with their cause and then ultimately bring that cause to decision makers who will be key in making the change. So all that being said, if you have a student who doesn't get to go to an SDLC, I would certainly encourage looking up what kind of national conferences do exist for anything that a student might be interested in because they, they do exist. You know, in, here in LA, we have developed uh, all kinds of different school conferences that have similar principles to SDLC. And I know it also exists throughout the country because one of the things that is a slight drawback about SDLC is that each school can only bring six students maximum. We do have a cap on our number, so it is not an opportunity that just any student uh, can get to. Students often have to apply and be selected by their school to attend. So even if you don't make it to SDLC, I would highly encourage you to look up and look around for conferences of the like because they do provide the opportunity for students to grow in a way that some school communities do not allow. And sometimes it takes being outside of the school community to find that network that's going to allow for the student to feel affirmed and to grow so that they can be the best version of themselves in the school community. So that's all I got for this first part in terms of SDLC. It was a great year 
for SDLC as we are now and POCC as we're now three years past COVID and you know have gotten back to doing it in person. I was in St. Louis this year and St. Louis was an interesting venue, but I liked it because it is a downtown that is not so populous that you, you know, get lost amongst the locals in trying to navigate the conference. Many of the hotels were in close proximity to the convention center. So it was very easy to move around and get from one place to where you needed to be. The keynotes were magnificent this year. Dr. Goldie Muhammad gave a great masterclass opening the conference, speaking about culturally relevant curriculum and pedagogy, key buzzwords, but in the way she broke it down, she made it accessible to all. And then with the closing address, Dr. Chris Emden really put out a challenging call for those in attendance to not only soak up all the things that I talked about are important about POCC in particular in terms of getting your cup filled and having that community and taking on mentorship and wisdom and, and gaining knowledge, but to use it in school, to listen to the children and use all of the skills that you gain at the conference. So I look forward to seeing how my colleagues and my students who were there come back this week because the reentry is always very interesting after being ignited and charged at the conference. And I look forward to seeing what this year's attendees bring back to the table. Next week, we'll talk about that reentry, hopefully with some guests, because it is a very important part of the independent school experience nationally, what this conference does for the way that schools interact with and address what's happening in the world at the current moment. And there's no shortage of things going on in the world. We'll be back after this for the Dean's List and the Honor Roll. In the Dean's office this week, I would love to be in conversation with officials at the Shawnee Mission School District in Kansas City. Why this school district, you may have seen the viral video of student Brianna Brown being attacked by a white classmate shortly after he called her the N-word and she proceeded to take issue with that. The two ended up in a fight that resulted in Ms. Brown breaking her nose. The key here is I read about this story and why the conversation is that this is the second incident in which Ms. Brown felt the need to have to defend herself after a racial attack. Schools and school districts need to understand and in these instances where hate speech is used against black students, if you do not implement strong deterrence and accountability measures, they will continue to happen. And it's only a matter of time before you see violence break out as it did in this instance. So now they find themselves in a whirlwind of negative national media 
and a young man who will have his life turned upside down as he currently faces a felony charge of assault. I would love to be in conversation with these district officials to help them understand that hate cannot be tolerated and that it begins with implementing accountability measures to make sure students know the cost of engaging in such behavior. On the honor roll this week, I want to give a big salute and warm shout to KJ Adams Jr., a junior basketball player at the University of Kansas. This week, and particularly on Friday, KJ had a season-high 18 points, five rebounds, two assists, and a win over number four-ranked UConn. What made this particular performance of the many KJ's had special is that he did this the day before he was too late to rest his mother, Yvonne Hill Adams, who was a towering educational figure we talked about, SDLC and POCC. In 2022, Yvonne was one of the organizing co-chairs of POCC and SDLC when it was held in San Antonio in the midst of her battle with cancer. And at the time, it seemed that she had defeated cancer only for it to return. I had the great pleasure of meeting Yvonne and getting to have a sense of her after my first SDLC and COVID was descending upon us. So we were in community on a number of Zooms and even in that little bit of time, I knew how much she poured into her family, poured into the many children she worked with in Texas, and how much she was beloved as a figure in the network of educators of color and independent schools. So salute to KJ and the whole Adams family and may Yvonne rest in power. That's it for me this week. Look forward to checking in with you next week after re-entering the school community following the SDLC and POCC. Hope everyone has a good one. Stay safe. We'll take more notes soon. The views expressed by John Carroll in the preceding podcast are solely that of the author and do not necessarily reflect the views of his employers, companies, or other associated parties. Thank you.